you remain standing and pray with me, please? Jesus, we come now to sit at your feet, to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you reveal your truth to us, your truth about you, your truth about your love for us, truth about this world in which we live. Speak now, Lord, for your servants are listening, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you brought your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask you to open them up to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 10, uh, beginning with verse 38 that Anne read from just a moment ago. Uh, it's page 869 of the Pew Bible in front of you. Luke 10, uh, beginning with ver- uh, verse 38. And while you're turning there, I took a, uh, had the opportunity to take a pastoral ministry class very early on in my undergraduate degree that really did, for the most part, change my life. And it changed my life, not because I learned some in-depth and real eloquent pastoral ministry skills, per se, but it changed my life because our professor went to great lengths to teach us as students, as his pupils, on how to prioritize our lives. And he did this with a very simple assignment. The first week in class, it was a three-hour class, or one time a week for three hours, the first thing he had us to do is take out a sheet of paper, and he said, Number it from 1 to 20, and I want you to write down your top life priorities in descending order. And he gave us a little time to do that. And then he simply just said, now take that piece of paper, fold it, put it away in a notebook somewhere where you can keep up with it or whatever, and just don't worry about it for the time being. And so that's kind of what we all did. And we didn't hear anything, but then he passed out the syllabus. We never heard another word for about the piece of paper for a while. Well, then the second week we came into class, he brought, out, he brought out these little papers. He had four of them, actually, and they looked like this. And across the top, it's got every day of the week. And then down this side, it's got all the times of the day listed by the hour. And he said, I've got another assignment for you guys I want you to do. He said, for the next four weeks, I want you to write down what you're doing every single hour of the day. Whether it's sleeping, whether it's eating, whether it's breakfast, whether you're taking a shower, whatever. As accurate as you can, do that. He said, and then turn it in for a quiz grade. And I thought, well, how easy is that? I don't even have to read the assignments. I can just fill this out. I get 100. It's that easy. Of course, there's a trick to this. But after the month was over, uh, we all came back, or a month was over. He turns all these sheets back out, or passes all these sheets back out to us. He said, okay, guys, I want you to go back and pull out those sheets that you wrote your priorities on. He said, and here's what I want you to do. He said, I want you to look at your 20 priorities and then look over the timesheet and see if those two things match up. If you're actually spending your time according to what your priorities are. And so I pulled out my priority sheet and I remember pretty clearly I had listed number one for me was God. Number two was family. Number three was church. And number, excuse me, number three was school because I was in school at that time. And number four was church. But as I began to look over the timesheet, you know what became very apparent to me, or it became very apparent to me from the way I was spending my time, those probably were not really my priorities. Our professor for the remainder of the semester had us each week write out on a list what our priorities were and schedule them very rigorously and hold to that every week. That was 30% a part of our quiz grade. And so for the remainder of the semester, we had to fill out, figure out what our priorities were and what we were going to do and turn these things into him. Now, before completing this exercise, I was a B student, C, with an occasional C. 
And I was working absolutely furiously trying to keep up. My personal relationship with the Lord at that particular time, I went to a Christian college. It was pretty much in the ditch, I have to confess. Dana, my wife, we were struggling to find time to spend together. And friends, while I made it to church pretty often, or made it to church on Sundays, I was less than attentive. I was always worried about my next assignment or what was coming ahead. But however, in the midst and then after doing this assignment, you know what? I began to really make mostly A's in my classes. My relationship with the Lord actually began to grow. Dana and I actually found time to enjoy time together. And I could actually be literally mentally fully present to the moment because I wasn't worried about what was coming next. I, I could go to church and I could pay attention because I wasn't worried about getting that other stuff done through the week. So what was the difference? Priorities. And for that semester, see, for that semester, I not only had to prioritize my life or just say what my priorities were, I actually had to match my time with what I said were my priorities. It was a pretty convicting exercise, actually. Now, friends, take no worries. Jesus and Ann are not going to pass out these sheets and then ask you to fill those out and put them in the offering plate so we can inspect them on Tuesdays. But I do want to talk to Christians this morning, particularly those in the household of God, about priorities from Luke 10, 38 to 42. Because if you were here last week, you know, we, we, we were in Luke chapter 10, and uh, we talked about, or Father Ben preached on the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you know, if we just stopped in Luke chapter 10, right there with the parable of the Good Samaritan, it really would seem like the main priority of the Christian life is to live a Christian life of generous love and service to others even those we don't like. But Luke's gospel doesn't stop with that. Instead, Luke adds balance to the Christian life in Luke 10, 38, by, and he does that by telling us a short story about two women and their priorities in life. And I don't know about you guys, but I like things simple. I'm a pretty simple person. Things are fairly black and white for me in the world. And so I've got a simple title for this message today, and it's this, a Christian's top priority, colon, Mary got it, Martha missed it. Mary got it. Martha missed it. And this morning we're going to look at both postures or both the postures and priorities of these women in this text and discover what Jesus says should be our top priority or particularly for those of us who follow Christ, what our top priorities should be. And so we're going to look at the posture and priorities of Mary who got it. We're going to look at the posture and priorities of Martha who missed it. So number one, the posture and priorities of Mary. Mary got it. Look with me if you've got your Bibles open at verse 38. Luke writes, he says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Stop right there. Now, friends, we really don't know that much about this woman named Mary in Luke chapter 10. But just know this, she's not Mary, Jesus' mother, okay? So don't confuse that. There's nothing in this text that tells us really anything about her physically or her personality. Um, in my research on this particular passage, I did learn that in medieval times, uh, the, contemplative and, uh, the contemplative life was thought to be really kind of a higher order of being for people in the church than someone who was living an active life. And so Mary of Luke 10 really was a hero of medieval mastic, uh, monastics and ascetics. And friends, we really can't tell a great deal about her, really go into that much depth about it, except this, that she... 
in the most deliberate and literal sense, at her own initiative, she was not asked, sat herself as close as she could get to Jesus' feet to listen to his teachings. She sat herself as close as she could get to Jesus' feet and listen to his teachings. It's really important to note because it really gives us a view, a snapshot of Mary's posture. She's sitting at the Lord's feet and she's just gazing upon him, hanging on every word he says. So that's her posture before the Lord. And she's in a receptive posture. But also we got to think about Mary's priorities. What are her priorities? She's sitting here listening to Jesus. Her posture is one at the Lord's feet, but she's also giving priority to what he says. And she's not just kind of listening. You know, kind of like the teacher on peanuts, you know, who's in the background, just wah, 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 you know, that kind of thing. Jesus is not like just background or elevator music for her. The verb that Luke uses is very intentional, and it means it indicates an act of continual and very intense listening to Jesus. She's hanging on his every word. And friends, it gets pretty, this passage is pretty cool. And ladies, listen up. Here's why. One of the things that's important to understand in the structure of Luke is that from chapter 10, 25 of last week, with the parable of the Good Samaritan, all the way through Luke chapter 19, Luke's gospel focuses mainly not on Jesus' active ministry, but on Jesus' teaching ministry. Why is that important? Well, let me ask you this. When we get to this portion of Jesus' teaching ministry really beginning, who is the first person to sit at the feet of Jesus in Luke 10? It's Mary. Why is that a big deal? Because women in Judaism were not permitted to sit at the feet of a rabbi. Jesus had his disciples. Jesus had his followers. But when he begins to really sit down with his people and teach one-on-one in a very small setting, his first key pupil is a woman. A rabbi would have never allowed that. And see, by doing this, Jesus really is elevating and bringing women in that culture over into a new realm socially, something that was never before allowed. Now get this. So what is Mary's reaction to this privilege to sit down and learn from Rabbi Jesus? She's in a posture to receive from Jesus because her priority in life was to listen to Jesus. So really, that is kind of in some the posture and priority of Martha or of Mary. But let's look also at Martha. The priorities and par- posture of Martha. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, that is the Lord, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. This is very interesting. So what's Martha's posture in life? The text tells us she's distracted and she's busy. Basically means that she's being pulled and dragged in all sorts of directions with a whole lot to do. Probably is that uh, saying you've probably heard running around like a chicken with its head cut off. From one thing to the next, she's kind of scattered about what she's doing. doesn't look really intentional, but she's just all around the house doing all sorts of things. And there's nothing really wrong with what Martha was doing in that particular day. As we heard in the Genesis passage, hospitality is, is really kind of commanded of the, in the Bible. As we heard in the story with Abraham and Sarah. And so she's basically trying to do the same thing. She wants to be hospitable to the Lord and entertain her guests. Well, that's a very good thing for her to do. 
But friends, somehow what started out good turned to something pretty bad. What do you mean? Well, look at what she did. The text says, she came up to him. And beloved, this took a lot of audacity on her part. Because remember what I said before about a woman in the presence of a rabbi. She could not just do that. Women were not supposed to be around a rabbi. And friends, Martha just doesn't, she doesn't walk in a room very quietly, very eloquently, and ease up behind Mary and tap her on her shoulder and say, uh, um, excuse me for interrupting, but, you know, Mary, could I get a hand on something over here? No, the text says she came up to him. And when it says she came up to him, she literally came up to him, meaning she pretty much kicked into the room, barged into the room with an attitude on her shoulders. And by her actions, she may as well have walked in there and said, Lord, now you just hold on just a minute. I got something I need to say. Friends, Martha's action in, in that culture of approaching a rabbi like this would have been considered way over the top. And as if that were not bad enough, she says to the Lord, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? Basically saying, look, she's lazy. I'm working my rear end off over here. She's not doing anything. It's kind of unbelievable, really. She indicts she, she really does accuse the Lord of not caring, which is interesting. I mean, you know, Peter wrote a little bit later than, than when Luke's gospel was written. It says, you know, cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. That's the type of God that she's speaking to here. This is the type of person she's talking to here. A man of compassion that I preached about several weeks ago. She's accusing him of not caring. Okay, but wait, it gets even better. Then she issues a command to the Lord. So not only has she got an attitude on her shoulder and she barges in the room and she's pretty negative about everything and accuses him of not caring, but now she's going to start telling Jesus what he's going to do. Tell her then to help me. She's downright bossy. And friends, unlike Jesus, who's actually bringing women into a new realm socially, Martha's attitude is basically this. Mary, your place is in the kitchen. Get there now. Place is in the kitchen, not at the feet of Jesus. Friends, not only are Martha's priorities messed up, but she even starts trying to mess up and influence Mary's priorities too. In short, Martha, in this passage, is completely out of control. Now, why did she do this? Because of her priorities. See, what Martha started out doing for the Lord in terms of hospitality was fine. It was good. It was commendable. But in her preoccupation and busyness of trying to get done what she wanted to get done and the way she wanted to get it done, her priorities got completely messed up. She becomes so distracted by all that stuff that she lost complete sight of what was really taking place in her home at that time. That the Lord himself was speaking and teaching divine truth privately to just a handful of people in her own living room. It was a rare privilege in that day to have a rabbi in the home. But now she has God incarnate. God himself. You know, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> He's sitting in your living room and he's expounding and teaching the word of God. That's a huge deal. God the son sitting there telling these folks about the good news, the good news that God has entered into the world, that he's come to conquer sin, death, sickness, and the devil and evil. 
telling them probably that the kingdom of God is being set up in their midst and that lives are being changed and that souls are being transformed and that the bondage of sin is being shattered once and for all. And somehow Martha is just not getting it. Jesus is not a priority. And because her priority is messed up, her attitude gets messed up too. She loses her joy in the process. She gets irritated, frustrated, ticked off, walks in with an attitude on her shoulder. Never mind the fact that God is sitting in the living room. The table is not set and the bread is burning in the oven. Beloved, Martha missed it. Now before you or I condemn Martha this morning, we need to ask ourselves today, What is it that has us distracted? What is it that that is pulling us in all directions and keeping us from hearing Jesus and his words? What thing has us so busy in our life right now that while we know we can have Jesus in our living room by literally sitting down and opening the word of God on our lap, we can have Jesus right here teaching us personally. We just say, forget about it, and we go on to doing whatever it is. Like Martha and her hospitality, it might even be a good thing. So, beloved, really this passage forces us or brings us to this point to ask ourselves a question or really brings us to the point of making a choice this morning in the form of a question, and it's this. Are we going to be like Mary who got it or are we going to live our lives like Martha who missed it? Friends, I have to be honest and confess to you past couple weeks in particular, I've probably been much more like Martha than I would ever really care to admit. Maybe you have too. And friends, unless you really live under a rock right now, you know, we really are living in a world that's absolutely coming off the tracks and turning itself up da- upside down, literally day by day, it seems. And people I'm encountering and having genuine honest conversations not Pollyanna conversations I'm talking really gut level conversations with folks you know what finding out they're anxious they're edgy and a tad angry friends this election that's in this country is causing a lot of tension right now among all people the police are killing people and people are killing the police Seven police police officers were brutally gunned down this past Thursday. My brother had a friend in their neighborhood who was held up by gunpoint this past week. A friend of a friend of mine was attacked in an unprovoked situation at a Chick-fil-A in Virginia. He has on free free chicken sandwich day at Chick-fil-A. What in the world? People can't get along to stand in line patiently long enough to get something free. And then this past Thursday night, some 80 people were killed by a terrorist with a truck in France. But friends, the thing that really did send me over the edge, particularly Friday morning, as I was looking through the news, was a picture I saw. Picture of a small body bag with a baby doll laying beside it. Baby doll much like the one my daughter has. When is this senseless stuff going to stop? Friday, I wasn't like Martha, who was uptight about a sister who was not helping. 
But I did find myself in Martha's posture, pretty anxious and worried over this stuff, really thinking, Lord, don't you care? Lord, do something. Friends, I'm not a prophet, nor am I a son of a prophet, but I'm pretty sure that things are going to get worse before they get better. And so my question for us here as Christians today is this, what are we going to do while this stuff continues to unfold in our world? Are we going to choose the posture and priorities of Martha and miss it and just keep ignoring Jesus and stay busy and distracted and anxious and worried? Or are we going to choose the posture and priorities of Mary and get it? A posture of calm, a posture that receives from the Lord, a posture that's willing to listen to the Lord about the real issues and real matters of life and the things that plague our culture right now. But friend, if you're distracted and busy and living the way of Martha, there's good news. Jesus' rebuke of Martha in this passage is really full of grace and full of kindness. It's very simple and it's not complicated. Look with me if you still have your Bibles open at verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Friends, one thing is necessary. Did you get that? One thing is necessary. Jesus did not give a long diatribe. He did not give a long epistle or some gigantic formula here. But one thing, one simple thing, Mary got one th- that one simple thing, the good portion that will never be taken away from her. What is that one thing? The one thing is this. It's being with and listening to Jesus. Making it a life priority to put oneself in a posture to be with Jesus, to listen to Jesus, and then live out what he says. That's it. It's that simple. That's the Christian's number one priority, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And friends, can I tell you something this morning? The world, your spouse, your friends, your kids, your coworkers, all the people who surround you, your neighbors, friends, they really do need you and I right now to choose that one necessary thing right now to stop reacting, to stop getting wound up and tangled up in all the mess that's out there in the world and just become, just invoke or enter into that simple posture with the simple priorities of Mary, come before Jesus and listen to him. You say, what do you mean? Listen, friends, our world is soaked with chaos. It is soaked with rebellion. It is soaked with destruction and it's probably going to get worse. But our world desperately needs the people of God living out lives of stability, lives of obedience, and lives of transformation. Friend, the world needs you and I to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. But beloved, we can't get what we don't have. You cannot give what you have not received from the Lord. And you know, I hear people say things to me all the time like, Father Keith, you know, whatever it is they call me, I, I, just, I want to know more about God. I want to live out my Christian life. I want to know how to really do this. And, and, and it gets all jumbled up and complicated. You know, listen, can I really just cut through all the muck this morning? Can I tell you something? It ain't going to happen unless you and I start cutting out the unnecessary in our lives and make Jesus a priority. 
It's not going to happen unless we assume the posture of Mary and sit at his feet and listen. See, friend, you can't intuit the Christian life. We're so far away from it. It used to be folks could kind of pretend and say the right things. But you know what? We've gotten to the part, you can't wing it anymore. And friend, Jesus' teachings are so radical, you can't guess at how to live out the life he calls us to. You've got to listen to him. But not just listen, but then do what he says. Some of us need to stop loopholing his teachings. Some of us need to stop looking for the easy way out. Because I tell you, it's a conversation I had a week ago with a gentleman. You know, he knows the right thing to do. The body, and it's not this per church. Don't worry about this. I'd never do this. He knows the right thing to do. He just won't do it. And friends, the longer I serve as a priest in community, the more I believe G.K. Chesterton got it right when he said that the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Beloved, it is a privilege to hear the absolute truth from the very mouth of God. It is a privilege to be able to sit before him and hear him. You know, you don't have to look around the globe to know that these things are illegal in some countries. A simple book is kept out by the government. They've not been able to keep them out, but they have tried to keep them out. Why? Because there's freedom in this. There's freedom in Jesus. I'll stop. It's a privilege to hear the absolute truth from the very mouth of God. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to be like Mary who got it or Martha who missed it? And so friends, this week by way of application, would you, would you be willing to just turn off the news? To put down the newspaper? To stop talking and fretting at the coffee shop about this stuff with your friends and just sit with Jesus for a little while? Listen to it. See friends, here's the thing. You and I this very week, we can be just like Mary. We can sit at his feet and hear him teach. We can hear him teach about Satan, all these big questions that people always have to, all these things people ask. You can hear him teach about Satan, about demons, about divine judgment, about hypocrisy, about persecution, about suffering, about the role of the Holy Spirit in your life, about finding contentment in your life, about stewardship for your resources, about ethics, about true social justice, about how to be truly unified and at peace in this world and community, about how to love your neighbor, about how to be holy. You can learn these things. They're completely foreign to the world that is out there. Friend, you can listen to him give you instruction about what is divine justice. You can learn what it means, what it looks like to be humble and not prideful. Understand what the cost of following Jesus is and what that may look like. You can learn about how to get into the kingdom of God and what it takes. You can hear Jesus teach about how heaven rejoices when one sinner is saved. You can hear him teach about marriage, about relationships, about sexual ethics, about hell, about repentance, about grace, about love, forgiveness, and faith. All this stuff. All this stuff that the world needs right now and the stuff that you and I need right now. Jesus teaches on those things. So friends, no matter where you are today... Will you make listening to Jesus a priority and put yourself in a posture like Mary to receive from him today? And friends, that can begin right here this morning. You can put yourself in the same posture of Mary with the same priority. Before we come to the Lord's table, there's always a time of confession here. And perhaps during that time, you need to simply say something like this. 
Jesus, I've been more like Martha this week than Mary. I've been busy and distracted. Please forgive me. Jesus, I want you to be a priority in my life. Help me, Holy Spirit, now to be in a posture to receive from you. Friend, that life this morning, that posture can begin for you right now. That posture of putting yourself in Mary's posture can happen right now, and you can receive the better portion, Jesus himself, particularly as we come to commune at this table. As we come to commune at this table, we are in the presence of Christ. As we come to commune at this table, we're coming to receive from him with open hands, his body and his blood. And friends, as we've heard this morning in the reading and proclamation of his word, we've received his instruction in our lives. What a privilege. Let us not miss it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.